play the fucking intro. And this is Eric. And this is SLC Punkcast. Thank you for joining us for episode 267. Good stuff ahead. We have an interview on this episode. Yes, we do. We have a, yeah, a photographer and now sort of turned author right. of sorts. That has a published one. book. Yep, he has a he has a published book. And that is that is the man by the name of Kevin Salk. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and that's not chalk, that's not salt, and that's not cock. It's sock. <laughs> <laughs> and it's that's not a, sock either. <laughs> that's right. Uh, the book is Punk Photos from a Fan's Perspective. You can go check that out now. And we're going to talk a whole lot about that here later in the show when we get to the interview. So let's get into the music. we got to go a bunch of stuff to get to, a lot of music to play, talk about. Let's do all that, and we'll get to the interview. We're going to start on May 27th. The band Skullcrack released Addicted to the Underground on Indecision Records. Tear Them Down released Dystopian Beats. Smoke or Fire released uh, Beauty Fades. Recidive released Trupes d'Acier, which is an EP on UVPR. Final Grasp released Homebound, which is two tracks. An album will be coming. Motor Saab is releasing Respirator Drome. <laughs> I know I mispronounced that one. <laughs> Codename Rocky. They released Blueprint, which is an EP on Wiretap Records. And Ditches released Drunk Dial Number 9. That's two tracks. All of that was on May 27th. <laughs> I was thinking that it was going to be like Drunk Dial 911. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be funny. Yes. Uh, Zanzara, they released Tuto Keloche Hai Non Vale Niente, which is an EP. That was on the 30th. Thought Crimes release Panopticon, which is a single on Pure Noise Records on the 30th. The Unborn released Visitori, uh, Visitatory, there you go, uh, which is two track tribute to V, the miniseries. Hammer and the Nails, they released their 2022 EP on Lionheart Records on the 31st. Lost Legion released Bridging Electricity, which is an EP on LSM Vinyl on the on June 1st. The Venomous Pinks released Evicta Morse, which came out on the 3rd. Also on the 3rd, Gimp Fist released Isolation on Sunny Bastard Records. I think that's only a uh, hard copy at this point. I don't think it's digital yet. 21 Bricks, they released Follow the Rats EP on the 3rd. Break Lights released Winding Down on Wiretap Records on the 3rd. Florida Men released self-titled Florida Men. And I don't think they're from Florida. <laughs> I think they're from the Netherlands, to be honest. And they are released on Morningwood Records. A split came out. A split EP came out on Primator Crew with the bands Chernobyl out of France and Force Majeure out of Montreal. Contusion from France also released an LP on Primator Crew on June 6th. On June 8th, Nerf Herder released We All Got COVID, except for Linus, and that's a single. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is so idiot. <laughs> also on the 8th, Trashed Again released the uh, digitally, so you can get it. I, I think it's been on uh, Spotify for a month, but the you can actually go to Bandcamp. 
and iTunes and such and get a copy of Broken Bones, their second EP of 2022. Stormtroopers of Love are releasing Go Go Graveyard on the 10th. We just played a track last week from it. Plus, I played some over on Punkanoi Worldwide. It's awesome. Go check it out. The Black Pits will be releasing Nevada Jacks on RotaryVinyl.com on the 10th. Grumpster is releasing Fever Dream on Pure Noise Records. Bleakness is releasing Life at a Standstill on the 17th. Counterpunch is releasing Rewire on Melodic Punk Style on the 17th. Powerhouse, that's finally coming out. Renegades, we had Chris on the show over a month ago. And that is finally coming out, so I'm looking forward to checking out the rest of Renegades. The Fomites are releasing The Secret of the Booze on Kind of Cool Records. And finally, Recidivist are releasing Caverns of the Dead on the 17th. Eric, what do you got to add? What are you looking forward to? Well, I'll tell you a few things I'm looking forward to, but here's one that just uh, came out. It was the newest single from Rise Against. Oh, nice. It was called... uh, Come on, speed up, speed up. There we are. Yeah, The Last Man Standing, which is, uh, yeah, which has been, yeah, it's been released uh, June 6th, but I just got wind of it a few days ago. Okay. So I'm like, huh. I didn't even know it came out. Is that uh, on an upcoming album? I believe it is, cool. but yeah, not nothing too much other than, uh, you know, the single and the title <laughs> that I was seeing, but, right. but yeah, it's out there for those of you that didn't know. I listened to it and it's... Yeah, it's okay. <laughs> it's okay. Honestly, I feel like Rise Against has kind of peaked since uh, Appeal to Reason. Okay. So, so yeah, everything since then is like, it's not good, it's not bad, it's just very forgettable, honestly. But, you know, that's just that's just me. Different opinions, different strokes, different folks, you know. Yeah, different everything. <laughs> anyway, I'll tell you two that, I, that are coming out that I'm really excited about. Uh, two local bands are releasing their newest albums, one Suffocator and Narc. Awesome. Yeah, Suffocator is releasing Rotting Existence, and Narc is releasing A Waste of Good Suffering. I've heard little tidbits of it. Suffocator, when I saw them this last weekend, they played nothing but their new stuff. Awesome. Yeah. And that was also, in fact, that they are currently looking for a bassist, so they played as a two-man set. So it was better to, for them to be like, let's just play songs that nobody has heard so they can't hear it and be like, oh, wait, that's a bass part or whatever. <laughs> but yeah, I was talking with them and I was like, what's the, you know, how are you guys doing the new record? He was like, well, we kind of took it a little more seriously this time around. Because the first one that they did, you know, the self-titled, it was, he described it, just them Writing music, writing songs, and just having fun with them. It was just kind of like going with it. You know, traditional hardcore style. You know? And and people really seemed to love it. And then it's like, okay, let's uh, see what we can do if we actually put effort into it. Nice. (laughs) Not to say they don't put effort. They do. They're really great musicians, great lyricists, even though... uh, I I forget his name, but their singer... uh, doesn't believe so. Okay. <laughs> well, I'm like, eh, we'll, we'll be the judge of that. And Narc, what, what more can I say about Narc? I talked him up all all of last year and a little bit of the year before that and how good of a band they really are. The lovely three-piece power violence uh, saviors of Salt Lake. And they are coming at you with another killer album. Cool. Yep. So, so yeah, I can't wait to hear any of this coming out. Awesome. 
Well, speaking of new stuff that is going to be coming out. Yeah, there is a new album that is going to be coming out from one of my favorite current grinding hardcore bands called Funeral Chic. And they have an album coming out at the end of July that is the 29th, Roman Candle. And they are teasing that release with one single that came out, uh, what was it, two weeks ago? I think it was I think it was two weeks ago. I remember. Okay. Yeah, it came out two Saturdays ago. That was the single Spit and Crawl. Cool. And yeah, I listened to the single. My friend, he sent it to me via Messenger. It was a YouTube link. So I was like, okay, let's see what they got. And it is a it is a music video that is spliced with all of this uh <laughs> this footage from the public domain of like it really just a lot of random things. And of course, uh, there's some explosions and there's some like uh, kind of gory photos from like B-movies and stuff like that. So it's literally just like a, when a middle schooler is trying to make their first music video. Nice. So it's pretty cool. But the song itself, Spit and Crawl, oh, it's great. It's really great. It's Funeral Chic doing their, doing their best. And their best is awesome. So... Um, that's my take on it, but you be the judge of that. Here's the latest from Funeral Chic. This is Spit and Crawl.
you go. That grimy, groovy style hardcore with a little bit of a southern rustic underlines over there. There you go. It's nice and heavy. I like it. Yeah. Nice and heavy. And you can just feel that being like a... Uh, you can just feel that totally being a blues song, but just with, you know... More amplification. Awesome. <laughs> so yeah, Funeral Chic, that's their that's the single they're leading with. Well, fuck me. I can't wait to hear the rest of this damn record. So July, hurry up and uh, get here so you can end faster. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Uh, speaking of good albums, Bishop's Green, long awaited for me, released Black Skies. It's seven tracks, so it is an LP, but I guess a short LP by the means of... It's seven tracks. Uh, most of the tracks are three to four plus minutes, so you definitely don't have an EP there. The track that we're going to listen to is What For, uh, four minutes, 26 seconds. To be honest, I could have picked this as a great cover-to-cover -cover album, but I opted to pick something else that has nine tracks, and I'll get into that later in the show. But Bishop's Green, I love all of these tracks. It's definitely going to be on the top list. The only drawback for me is... When we're comparing great cover-to-cover -cover albums for the end of the year, when one has seven and the other's got 11 to 13 or something like that, it's hard to say, oh, well, these seven tracks are better than these 13 tracks when you really like them both, mm. right? But yeah, that's the only <laughs> negative, and it's not even a negative. It's just that it's outside the EP range. It's an LP and I'm only thinking of it ahead of time at the end of the year because it is awesome. It's definitely going to be on the best albums of the year for me. came out on Pirates Press. If you're not familiar with them, they're from Vancouver in British Columbia. I've had tickets to go see them twice in Las Vegas, and they've had to cancel both times. <laughs> uh, so one of these days, I am going to see Bishop's Green. I haven't seen them yet. They have a lot of other great albums. They did a bunch of represses of older albums on Pirates Press 2. If you want to go check those out, let's get into What For off of Black Skies. This is Bishop's Green. <laughs> Don't 
I forget how good Bishop's Green really is. Right? Yeah, that's just so... Just so aggressive, yet so catchy, and just like... No matter how angry it feels, you just still feel good. I agree, and every track on there is just like that. There's seven of them. That is one of seven. What for? I had a very difficult time picking one track out of seven. I finally just... After going through it, and I've been listening to this off and on uh, since it's come out. I think it was actually released even earlier than that, than May 20th on Spotify. It might have been like early May. And so I've heard it there, and I've got my vinyl copy I got from Pirates Press, which I love. It's, it's a great vinyl, and it's a great album. I really like it. And all the tracks are good. If you haven't heard them and you like that one, you won't be disappointed. Definitely check out the rest. All right, all right. You heard him. <laughs> all right, next up, we're going to play a band from Sao Paulo in Brazil. The band is Sandanistas, and I don't know, uh, you know, it's going to be in Portuguese here, so let me uh, get, a, I should have been better prepared for this. So the track that we are going to play, and, and this is all according to Google Translate. I've got done a lot of Google Translates for the show, and... I can't say that they're always uh, on on par, but anyway, the name of this track is "Vamos à Luta." Let's go to fight. So it's probably "Let's go fight," but "Let's go to fight" is the direct translation of uh, what we're getting into here. Uh, Sandinistas released a self-titled album, and I think that one had that might be like an eight-tracker or something like that, less than ten, I think. Don't quote me on that one. Anyway, Sandinistas, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, it is the self-titled, like I said, and it came out May 13th of 2022, so just a little less than a month ago, and the band, they started in 2017, so they've only been around for about five years. They do have uh, some other releases. I'm not sure. Are you familiar with the word Sandinistas? The only way I know that word is from the Clash album. Oh, well. Sandinista. Maybe that's what it's from, because it says, Google Translate says it's Spanish. Sandinistas. And then in English, it doesn't translate into anything but Sandinistas. So, uh, hmm. that's what you get. That's the band. Uh, the album's cool. A lot of great tracks on it. Go check it out. Again, it came out May 13th. Let's get into Let's Go Fight. Uh, AKA Vamos a Luta. A cada passo eu vejo um descaso, o país andando na contramão. A esperança é roubada e não sobrou nada. O futuro não está em suas mãos. Mas o ano se passou e nada Não tem desculpa, não tem desculpa Mas o ano se passou e nada Vamos à luta, vamos à luta O tempo passa, não muda nada Os mesmos problemas sem solução Trapaça as promessas, conversa fiada Sistema em rota de colisão mas um ano se passou e nada Não tem desculpa, não tem desculpa Mas um ano se passou e nada Vamos à luta, vamos à luta Mas um ano 
gonna go do as soon as he gets done yeah i'm gonna have a good time doing it <laughs> <laughs> all right that's sandinistas cool band out of brazil uh, i want to thank them for putting that on the radar for us to check out and for you to check out with us vamos a luta is the track it was a self-titled album eric let's get on to some older lesser known stuff both of us are playing uh some newer stuff so the bands are more lesser known yep yeah, these guys are pretty unknown. I just discovered them uh, two nights ago, okay. something like that. Cool. Yeah. The thing is, uh, the guy who I moved in with, my roomie, he's uh, always, always got a Rolodex of bands that he needs to tell me about. <laughs> <laughs> it's just not enough time in a day. Yeah, not enough time in the day, but... That just means I will never be short of songs to plug on this show. At least as far as older and lesser known, and maybe some new ones, because this one is actually relatively new. The band is called La Migro, uh, La Milagrosa. Getting tongue-tied on that one. Yeah, La Milagrosa. They are from Brooklyn, New York, but uh, the members are actually from Puerto Rico. Okay. Yep, so we move from one Spanish-speaking band, well... Not exactly Spanish. Portuguese. Portuguese, yes. Portuguese. But we moved up north a little bit, and then a little more north after that. Right. <laughs> and now we're into uh, Spanish territory. And let me tell you, La Milagrosa, they are about as as standard of a pissed-off, hardcore punk band that you can get, and you can understand why. Uh, they formed it in Puerto Rico. Um, God, what was it? Like a... I have the article right here talking about their. Uh, well, while you look that up, right here, the miraculous is what it translates to the band name into English, and the ba- the track name translates into crumbs. crumbs. I'll let you pronounce the the Spanish part. Oh yeah, migajas. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Okay, it was 2017. That's where they. Uh, yeah, that's when they really formed. Well. Not exactly really formed. This was a pre-forming thing because what happened to Puerto Rico in 2017 but Hurricane Maria. Right. So that's really what they said. It kind of pushed them out of Puerto Rico to move into the States. You know, begrudgingly so because they have uh, quite a few choice words to say about the U.S. as most punks do. So, yeah, you kind of get where that's going. And that's actually kind of where uh, uh, Migajas comes in. But before... uh, 
uh, before we get into it, they were like uh, saying, even without uh, Hurricane Maria, they were thinking that the uh, Ricky Renuncia movement, the governor of Puerto Rico, after all these uh, le- after all these messages within his uh, cabinet leaked, all these text messages that were incredibly sexist and homophobic, and just were just flat out. Just expose what a piece of shit he was. So there was a 10-day riot that was going on after that. Wow. So, yeah, they they actually say, Sadly, if it wasn't because of the hurricane, we probably never ended up making music and playing together in La Milagrosa. The second movement, in my opinion, that had an impact on the band was the Ricky Renuncia movement, where the people took the governor out of his chair after a leaked chat, showed the world the big piece of shit that he was and still is. That was more fuel to the fire for us to make more music. Cool. So there you go. You got the backstory on it. Now the now the music itself. Oh, it's it's a fucking cavalcade of bastardized noise. I tell you, if you want to go back and listen to old school hardcore punk that really just lays in with its uh, with the savage beats and even more savage lyrics. Yeah, La Milagrosa. They got you covered on that. So. Here are so here is one of the latest from some of eh, some of the best from Puerto Rican punks. Here we go. This is La Migajas. So while I cannot attest for the what the lyrics are conveying here, because I, I don't speak Spanish, and they do not have uh, lyrics readily available for translation, so I kind of have to go off of what I read in the interview, and really just kind of an abridged version of what they were saying of the overall album, which is, <clears throat> which is called Panico. And you can kind of guess what that means. Right? <laughs> yeah, some of it's blatantly obvious, some of it not really. Uh, they say there's one thing right here. Being born on an island where we are taught to be comfortable with the breadcrumbs the U.S. government threw at us while our people die fighting their wars and are used as their guinea pigs. Where half the year is hurricane season, where the lack of electricity seems to be normal and where corruption is accepted. <laughs> so, Yeah. That's the that's the word breadcrumbs right there. I like to think that it is uh, maybe not necessarily um, the political statement they're making here. Once again, I reiterate, I cannot attest. But 
just based on that quote, I would like to think that it is. Or maybe they're speaking more generally how we are, you know, how we're constantly just getting shoved down by the upper class, waiting for the bottom to cave in. Right. <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh yeah, we get the full uh, pie, but you just get the crust that's left. So, that's what I'd like to think that this song is about. But if you guys uh, speak Spanish and you can actually pick up on those uh, Spitfire lyrics that are coming out, then, yeah, maybe you got a... Maybe you'll have a different take on this than I do. But that's about as far as I can get with, uh, you know, analyzing this track. But the rest of that album, holy shit, it's fucking great. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. And check out that interview that I was uh, reading from on cultnation.com. Just uh, put in Cult Nation, look up La Milagrosa. You can t- type in most any heavy band on there, old or new, and they'll have something there. Cool. Yeah, they're pretty rad. Pretty rad site. Check it out. <laughs> I've got another band that also has a newer release, Undermine. They're from Austin, Texas. They released As Above, February 2022. If you want to get that, you need to go to their website, UndermineATX.com, and you can buy the digital version in halves. They split it into an A-side and a B-side. It's five bucks for the A-side, five bucks for the B-side. They did release some of the singles like in video form and such, Back in the fall of this past year, and you can go check those out. All, all of that can be found on their website. They, they do have a Facebook page, too. But I want to thank Cody for reaching out, getting this on the radar. Again, the official release was, it appears anyway, was February 2022. You'll only find As Above, as far as I can tell, over on their website. So go check them out, and you can go check them out if you're in or around Austin when they're playing shows. We're going to play a track from the A-side, track number two, and it's called Frost. So here we go with Undermine. check out the videos as well uh for that one <laughs> that sounded uh they, they had a pretty interesting uh take on that sound right they yeah. they described themselves as cowpunk 
cowpunk. I have heard that term before. <laughs> that was actually a term that was coined, not necessarily by, but as a result of social distortion. Okay. When, you know, uh, when Mike Ness was kind of wearing his uh, Hank Williams influences on his sleeves, using more hollow body guitars and more twangy notes. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but... People love that, especially the label. So Social D's sound for a while sounded exactly like that. So it was kind of called cowpunk as a result. Nice. Well, so. that's what you can describe, or at least what they describe themselves as. That's Undermine. Yep. The track was Frost. They were definitely heavier than Social D. I yes. will say that. Not yes. as melodic, but <laughs> I liked that... Uh, what I was going to say is about the uh, beat. It sounds very much like the Stooges, I Want to Be Your Dog. Oh, I was yeah. just like kind of pounding the whole way through. Ding, 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 ding. It was very similar. In I like one. it. That's a, that's a good <laughs> observation there. I like that. Yeah. And it's a, and yeah, it made for a really good track. I liked it. I really like this one. <laughs> well, check out Undermine again. You'll have to go to UndermineATX.com to check out the rest of their music, but it is worth it. Plus, like I said, they have the videos on there. You can check out their videos there as well. Eric, we have some great cover-to-cover albums, but before we get there, let's talk about some live shows. Let's get to it because we still have yeah. an interview to get to. Yes, we do. We have some great cover-to-cover live shows to talk about. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But before I do that, i got to tell you about a show that I attended, and Oh, buddy, this is one of the craziest ones I've been to in a, a minute. <laughs> so it was my friends in Suffocator and Snuff Tape along with the band Moon Teeth. I had not heard of Moon Teeth prior to this show, so I was pretty, I was pretty stoked. You know, I wanted to see what was up. But anyway, it was a great show. It was held at the uh, DLC Club in the middle of Quarters Bar downtown. And if I hadn't... Uh, talked up quarters enough then i gotta talk him up some more it is a great bar it is full of arcade games and pinball machines and video games and you know you have alcohol and you have live music what else do you need yeah seriously that sounds like a great night out any night (laughs) oh it was and uh oh boy (laughs) this night (laughs) (laughs) oh man i mean there was some great shit that happened in the show but just the uh, the time surrounding the show was pretty ridiculous uh, it's, uh, it was a whole thing. Anyway, so Suffocator, they come on first, and unfortunately right now they are they went from being a three-piece to a two-piece because their bassist uh, just up and, you know, dipped out. Well, it happens. Yeah, it does happen, unfortunately, with bassists, but they are in the process of getting a replacement, hopefully a better one, one who actually gets up on stage and, you know, moves around a little. <laughs> I mean, they're old bassist, good bassist, good guy. He just stood there, and he was not moving. It's just like, (laughs) are you even having a good time, bro? Do you like what you do? You're a valued valued employee in this band. (laughs) Oh, God. But no, Suffocator, they have, uh, as I said, they have new material coming out, and they played nothing but their, uh, they played nothing but new material as a sort of like a, uh, draw attention away from the fact that they don't have a bass player. So it's like if anyone who listens to the first album and thinks, wait a minute, there's supposed to be a bass line right there. Yeah, so they wouldn't notice it this time around because nobody has heard the new shit yet. <laughs> oh, but I'm excited for this one. I'm excited for it. And Moon Teeth. Moon Teeth, they are, I mean, they were good. They were a hell of a, they had a hell of a stage presence. They were really getting the crowd moving. And, by the way, I moved a lot. 
That's oh, awesome. God, I was slamming down. I was hitting the floor. I was jumping up to the ceiling. I was flailing the fists and spinning the kicks and pushing the pits. <laughs> it was a great time. That's awesome. Yeah, and, and Moon Teeth, they really brought it. They are like a, they're kind of like a more polished sound as opposed to what Suffocator was, but doesn't mean it wasn't good. I mean, it was absolutely heavy. It was sort of like that, the token metalcore bands and acts that you would see on a, on a warp tour in the mid to late 2000s. Cool. So if you can think of any band like that, that's basically what I would categorize Moon Teeth as. But they were wild. <laughs> they were a lot of fun. Um, and before Snuff Tape went on, uh, a couple of injuries were sustained by two of my friends. One of which was my friend who was also my guitarist. <laughs> that is Ethan. <laughs> he got his nose broken. <laughs> Ooh. Yeah, he got his nose broken. I just see him leave. And then he comes back with two rags of toilet paper right up his nostrils. Both of them. I'm like, oh, hey, been there. I, I told the story on here how my first show got my nose broken because some fat lady stage dived right on top of me. <laughs> yeah, that wasn't fun. So I'm like, hey, first time. And um, then. Yeah. Yep. And then another one of my friend who I was doing a lot of the dancing with, he rolled his ankle and broke it. Ooh. <laughs> yep, busted his ankle. So, me and another friend of mine, I had a lot of friends at this show, which was pretty awesome. That's cool. <laughs> yeah. We just uh, hoisted him up and brought him up to, uh, you know, to the upstairs and outside of Quarter's Bar. And we were just waiting for, we were waiting with him for a moment until his girlfriend had to come pick him up and take him to the ER. So, Damn. that sucked. And I was like, hey, I did that too. Not necessarily at a show. I didn't roll my ankle or do anything bad to my ankle at a show, but I did break it jumping out of a tree <laughs> that was only two feet off the ground. Don't ask me how. It just happened that way. I don't know. What in a million chance that I had to be that one. So, yeah, but the thing was, I was in recovery. I had to wear a boot for six weeks, and within that six weeks, there happened to be a bad religion show. And it was the first time seeing Bad Religion in a club. Because my first time was seeing them at the Warp Tour main stage. Still awesome, but the club show was a lot more intimate and better. And it was. And I was like, okay, I'm just going to go there and not dance. <laughs> that did not stop me. <laughs> you know, you're 16 years old, you're listening to punk music, and you're just pent up full of energy. Yeah, you're going to run around like a motherfucker. And that's what I did. I was the only one there who was just moshing with the... A boot on my, <laughs> a recovery boot on my ankle. So, nice. so yeah, I kind of had a similar situation to that. But homeboy did not last the rest of the show, and it sucked because as soon as we uh, got back in, snuff tape was on, and they started playing. And holy hell, holy hell, Alec, you know how to hold the fr you know how to hold the stage. You, you're not just a singer, bud. You're a front man. That's awesome. <laughs> So yeah, Snuff Tape, they got on. I still had my share of dancing, and it was pretty awesome. It was still an awesome set. And they have this one song called, uh, called Power Trip, and they actually said before they played it, they dedicated it to Riley Gale, their fallen singer. Oh. Yeah, R.I.P. R.G. <laughs> yeah, Power Trip, still, they're still a good band. And they're still listened to and very, uh, and they're revered to this day, in and out of the thrash scene. But, yeah, that's a, that's a sad story that I'd rather not talk about. 
Let's keep talking about Snuff Tape. They have they have some great music. Just a lot of uh, beat 'em up style hardcore music, and just uh, really makes you want to dance. Really makes you want to just punch whatever wall you see in front of you, nice. and just like throw your fists until they fly off. <laughs> Not just the fist, the whole arm. Just have it go propelling into somebody's face in the back. <laughs> uh, yeah. But it was a great time. Great time had by. Most. <laughs> yeah, most. Yeah, most. Well, even, even to those two prior to their injuries, they were having a great time. I was loving it. And I did my I did my hardcore disco dancing. Nice. Just boom, boom, boom. If you think of disco dancing, the first thing that comes to your mind, that's exactly what I was doing. You know, you just point to the sky. Yeah. The Saturday yeah. Night Fever thing. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> H-I-C, no, H-X-C-S-N-F. <laughs> All right, so that was the only show that I had attended. And good Lord, it just, uh, the crazy times just uh, melted over into the, into my life. But I think I'll save that story for the end. <laughs> Sounds good. Uh, I'm going to mention a couple quick shows, then you'll mention some shows, then we'll get into some albums. Uh, down there, in the Land Down Under, at the Hamilton Station, on June 12th, Trashed Again will be doing their double EP launch. They, they'll be playing with Buckled and Maids of Horror. Definitely get out and check that out. Man, I can't wait to see those guys one day. But Trashed Again, both EPs are awesome, so if you haven't checked them out yet... Both EPs are 2022 releases. Go check them out. And then tomorrow night, June 9th, at the Dive Bar in Las Vegas, you can go see Total Chaos, Soldiers of Destruction, Gob Patrol, and Endless Struggle. A lot of great bands on that card. So, man, if you're in Vegas, that's where you should be, and it's only 10 bucks. That shit's a steal right there. Damn. Right? I'll say that's $10 less than what... Uh, what they're charging for the Total Chaos show up here. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to talk about that in a moment. Yes, I The will. last two shows I have, Saturday, June 11th, The Blue Bloods, Nothing But Enemies, Bricks and Mortar, and The Promised End. They will be playing at The Jungle in Somerville, Massachusetts. Again, $10 show. So uh, get out and check that one out. Uh, I saw some video. Uh, no, I think it was all pictures. It was just pictures of that uh, Razors in the Night show. Looked awesome. I can't wait to see some videos. And finally, the show, or that last one I'm going to talk about, June 10th, Troy Ounce. Uh, he'll be playing uh, at Camby Street, so 300 Camby Street. Again, $10, and that is on the 20th. Uh, also, you'll get Blimp and Janky Bungag. Uh, hopefully I said that part right. It's Attack Attack Productions if you want to go check it out, or just go follow Troy Ounce Official if you want more details, but go check him out at the Camby. One of these days we'll get Troy on the show. We reached out and we got a link up, and I think we'll have a great time talking about some music. Eric, that's all I've got. What do you have? And then we'll get into some albums. Well, I got a couple, one of which I'm going to tonight that is Total Chaos, and they'll be opening up with the Ulteriors and Power Beer. Nice. So, <laughs> opening. I said they'll be opening up with. No, they'll be. 
opening up for them is who I just said. That's <laughs> that's going to be at Aces High. So cool, or rather, it will be. You know, I I got to remind myself this comes out a day later. Right. <laughs> so it's weird announcing shows that I'll be going to on a Wednesday. But you'll be telling us about it next week. Yeah, stick around. So that's your preview for next week, and what Eric's going to tell you about. Yep, there you go. Anyway, on the uh, on the eleventh of June. We have two shows. One is going to be at the Wild Pepper Pizzeria with Raid, Dysentery, Betty, Marine Corps, Griebler, Mojo Rollers, and Badmouth. Nice. And that'll be at 6 p.m. And it's all donation-based. Just donations. You know, nothing more, nothing less. Just whatever money you got on you, just put it in a jar and enter the show. There you go. And... I unfortunately won't be at that one, but where I will be is at Kilby Court on that night because Lane and the Chain will be doing their CD release show there. Awesome. Yep, that's another uh, new release I forgot to mention. But yeah, Lane and the Chain, their debut album. I am excited to hear it. I'm excited to see them because they're always fun to watch. And they will be playing with uh, uh, Mordegai Tempo and Hoppy. Cool. Anyway, moving on from there, on the uh, 15th of June... Though I want to say the 15th because I've been mixing up my dates, weirdly enough, because <laughs> June and July, they're just two four-letter words that both begin with J and U. So Right. So yeah, just uh, take this with a minute and fact check me on it. On the 15th, Thy Art is Murder and After the Burial with uh, Currents and Brand of Sacrifice, we'll be playing at the Complex. So, for all you old school... And I mean old school as far back as uh, 2000s, early 2010s metalheads. <laughs> That's some shit for you. Some, uh, all you deathcore kids. And anyway, go moving back into uh, punk rock on the 18th at the House of Blues. Ask a punk or look at a flyer. I don't know which one's which anymore. The band Slogan Boy from Wisconsin will be playing here with Raid, Mung, and Ack. That is A-C-K exclamation point. Ack. Nice. Yeah, and that's all I got for the next uh, week and a half. And again, I will double. I will have to double check on that. Thy art is murder show, though. I can't imagine many listeners on this uh, of this podcast really even know that those bands exist. So, <laughs> uh, but I, I don't know. I've been around. You've been around. Maybe you give a shit. Maybe you don't. But regardless, that show is happening. Awesome. One of these days. One of these months. <laughs> cool. Anyway, that's all I got to say. Cool. Well, let's get into some great cover to cover albums. We're going to do both albums, and then we're going to get into that awesome interview with Kevin Salk. Again, punk photos from a fan's perspective. You should definitely check it out. Uh, I don't want to give too much away. Uh, we'll talk more about it after the interview. So, Eric, your album. Okay, my album. First, it is June. It is June 15th. So okay, I good. was correct. Well, on July 15th, but in a different year, this album was released. Uh, yes, it was. <laughs> July 15th, 1997 in Los Angeles, California. It was one band that was the that were some of the straight edge saviors of the West Coast. And that was Strife. Nice. I talked about Strife on this show before doing the, uh, the resurgence of the California takeover with Earth Crisis and Snapcase. Now... I said I was going to talk about Strife more because they released an album that honestly is uh, quite arguably their best one. You know, I think it is. <laughs> and I've listened to a lot of their stuff, and a lot of their stuff is really good. But in this defiance, it stands on its own. 
It's it's like they're Jane Doe. It's like they're damaged. It's like they're destroy the machines. If you know these titles, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> um, so yeah, Strife, in this defiance, it holds the song Blistered on there, which was the first song I had ever heard by them, as I'm sure it was most, because that was like a leading single and one of their first music videos. So I got into that through, I got into them through this song. And I'm not going to be playing it this time. <laughs> so, now because uh, I could have gone the prototypical route. Well, I do love that song. It's like everyone and their dog knows that one. If you're a hardcore kid, everyone knows how Blister goes. Everyone's got the fucking breakdown memorized. Ding, 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 Look at the sky. Yeah. <laughs> no, I decided to choose one. This was... Uh, it, this is actually calling back to what I said about the California Takeover. I was this close to choosing the live version of this song, Stand As One. But I went with the other song. Oh, I had it, then I lost it. Um, you might look at that up for me, Dustin. Yeah. <laughs> it was, yeah. Yeah, I can't remember which song it was, but I felt like that was a better interpretation of Strife's music. And also, I didn't want to choose a song from this album as I was going to be, well, doing what I'm doing now. Right? <laughs> yeah. So, uh, before we get into the song, did you did you find it? <laughs> uh, I'm pulling up right now, and California, the return of the California takeover, is that the one you just said? Mm-hmm. Uh, waiting, uh, lift, and force of change. Okay, it was lift that I played. Okay. Yeah, I played lift. Okay. There you go. Oh, force of change. Stand as one apparently wasn't on there. No, Stand as one was. Uh, was yeah, that was. There was four tracks. That was okay. one of them. Yes. Okay. God Sorry, damn. I just wasn't naming that one because <laughs> that's the one you already knew. Okay, giving me a sort of Mandela effect here. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yes. So I chose Lift, and uh, honestly, that's a good song. But I wanted to save Stand as one for when I did this album because I knew it was going to be on here no matter what. So here is one of the. One of the greatest from one of the greatest hardcore bands of all time. This is Stand As One from Strife. Take 
Yeah, and that sound effect it goes on for a minute. <laughs> and I mean a minute. I'm talking about maybe the grand total of 15 minutes on this album. Oh, wow. Because <laughs> that, that sound effect that you're hearing, that is actually the intro track. And it goes for about a, yeah, a couple of minutes. And, but then it, keeps, uh, then it keeps coming back up, rearing its ugly head throughout the album, like right now at the end of this. <laughs> but the closing track is a 13-minute version of nothing but those sound effects. Weird. Yeah, incredibly weird. It's like, is this the hidden track? <laughs> so that's my one gripe with this album, is that it's, it's got that. But honestly, it's the last song of the record. It's just background noise at that point, and you can... You know, turn it off. <laughs> true. That is true. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, whatever. That's uh, that's besides the point. Strife is still, they still got a great thing going with this album. You know, the riffs are on point. They The speed is on point. It just feels like a heavier down-tuned version of punk, which is what a lot of music was coming out, uh, that was coming out at the time, was. It was like, yeah, we still love a lot of hardcore, but we love a lot of that chuggy metal stuff, so let's put it together and let's see what comes out. Some of them lean a little more on the punk side, whereas the other leans more on the metal side. And some of them find that really happy middle. And Strife kind of maintained that happy middle throughout the throughout the span of their rugged career. <laughs> so, so, yeah. And one of the things that made it so cool was, like, little inclusions. And this is, where, this is what I'll be talking about from there's my second pick of this song, Will to Die. If you listen closely, you can hear little... Uh, uh, little inclusions in the background, like I hear this uh, little disembodied voice, wow. <laughs> just as the as the riffs are just kind of uh, bleeding out and just kind of uh, building up to building up to more pummeling territory. Okay, so it's something you really got to watch out for, and it's like, yeah, hardcore albums that have little Easter eggs in there. They're kind of a dying breed. <laughs> <laughs> something you don't notice the first uh, two, three, or five listens. So. Maybe you'll hear it this time. Maybe you won't. Maybe it'll persuade you to listen to the album. Who knows? So here is Will to Die from Strife.
So yeah, you heard all those uh, weird little noises in the last half of that song. Right. That's what I'm talking about. You don't hear hardcore albums doing stuff like that, at least not in abundance as what you, I don't know, what you are actually expecting. But Strife exceeded expectations, including how long they would last. I mean... How many bands from the uh, from the 90s hardcore scene are still going that strong today? Right? Yeah. There's a, very few. Very, very few. That's true. <laughs> I mean, not all of us can be a hate breed, you know, and actually win a Grammy for best metal performance or whatever, but the fact that they can still stay true to their roots, still stay semi-underground, and still play, like, when I first saw Strife, a floor show. Wow. <laughs> and that was only a few years ago. That's so, cool. So yeah, the the fact that they're still doing that, they're still keeping true, they're still writing good music, gotta commend them for it. So, Strife, keep going strong, man. <laughs> That's awesome. The album I've got, we're gonna do it real, uh, not quick, we're gonna do the album, but then the interview. So be on the lookout, we're gonna be talking about Kevin Salk's book here in just a moment, but before we do that, the band Blood Stained Brindle. They're out of Boston, Massachusetts. They just put out a new album March 12th of this year. It's called Pick of the Litter. Like I was talking about early on in the show, it's nine tracks. You know, we were talking about the Bishop's Green seven track, and they're both full lengths uh, as, you know, just the track length and whatever. You know, mm-hmm. you know how to figure out an EP and an LP. Well, I mean, back in the 70s, eight songs was considered an LP. Oh, wow. Yeah, like one of ACDC's records, Let There Be Rock. Eight songs, but it's still considered an LP. <laughs> Well, I, I think, you know, I looked it up, and I think it really boils down to you can fit 16 minutes approximately on a 7-inch, mm-hmm. and the 7-inch is considered an EP. So if you're more than 16 minutes, then you're going to be an LP, right? Yep, there you go. <laughs> there, that is your objective answer. <laughs> just because that the record is longer in diameter doesn't mean it's just an LP. Right. <laughs> and I have a few, uh, you know... LP EPs. They, I do <laughs> 12 too. In, yeah, 12 inch uh, EPs. Yes. Uh, Bloodstained Brindle, though. I want to thank William McKay for reaching out and putting this on the radar. I mean, they have their self titled album, I think, came out in 2009. This band has been around, and I really like this album. I'm a huge fan of the band Dog Company out of Dallas, Texas. And I think the, the theme in which these guys. Their, their music is, plus just the, the overall sound is similar, so it just works out well for me. That's like having two two bands, but two separate bands, right? But two bands you really like. Yeah, two <laughs> bands, but uh, they're the same band. <laughs> kind of, but Boston, you got the Northeast version, and then you got the, the Texas version, so... Uh, Bloodstained Brindle, off a pick of the litter. We're going to play the first one. I had a really difficult time listening to the nine tracks. I was just going back and forth, back and forth. (laughs) I had written or put in two different tracks and then two other different tracks, and I finally settled on these tracks because I had to pick something. I can't play all nine. Otherwise, that would have been the whole episode. Uh, Red Shield, that's the first one that we're going to get to. So here we go. Bloodstained Brindle, Red Shield, off of pick of the litter.
no free man in the credit society. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, on that listen, I was even hearing roadside bombs as well. So I don't think, what, you know, when I was saying it's similar to, it's not a clone of Dog Company or Dog Company's not a clone of them. Funny enough, Bloodstained Brindle and Dog Company both have dog in it. But I think that the, their meanings aren't specific to a dog, especially Dog Company. But again, Roadside Bombs, I think I hear sounds uh, similar to them. And all three bands, I really like. Mm-hmm. I can tell. Yeah. <laughs> you uh, just, after that little 45-second uh, history lesson, right? one can tell where your taste lies. <laughs> right. Uh, I, I do like the, the rock and roll guitars. Uh, Chris and I always had debates on... Guitar solos, are they self-serving guitar solos, or do they add to the mm. song? And I think in this case, I think it adds to the song. Sometimes you have the self-serving ones where it's like, well, it didn't add anything, but great, we can tell that you can play your guitar yeah. a little better than, than now. <laughs> Pretty much. That's usually how it goes. <laughs> but on this one, that's for Punk Chris out there. Uh, I say that that was an addition. It adds to the track. Let's play one more off of that album. The album again, Pick of the Litter. Bloodstained Brindle is the band, in case you already forgot, you better not. And the track is called What It Meant.
what it meant. What it meant. You know, that, uh, that little, uh, guitar, uh, that little guitar clip that was uh, playing in the end, seeing the song out. Right. That reminds me of the, uh, yeah, that reminds me of uh, what Pete Townsend's guitar is doing in the Won't Get Fooled Again song. Yes. Right before the climax. I agree. <laughs> I was thinking there's a classic rock song. What is it? Well, uh, when we were just listening to that, and Eric put his finger on it. Yep. There you go. Yeah. Classic punk and roll right there. Right. Oh, boy. So... Does that uh, conclude it for the music portion, at least for now? <laughs> it does. Uh, we're going to jump into an interview. I hope you enjoyed those albums, all the punk music so far. We're going to keep the punk train rolling with uh, a great, it's almost a history discussion of uh, at least the history that Kevin got to see and then document through taking pictures. And then you'll, you know, we'll talk more about it. But punk photos from a fan's perspective. We're going to join Kevin now. And we are sitting here now with Kevin Salk, the author of the book Punk Photos from a Fan's Perspective. He's also a pretty well-renowned photographer, having taken photos of punk rock since back in the day, I guess you could say, up until now. (laughs) How are we doing? I am doing great. I'm glad to be here. I really appreciate what you guys are doing. It's, uh, It's just, pardon, you may hear some barking in the background. That's my pug. Um, whiskey, <laughs> excellent extra guests, <laughs> but uh, no, it's uh, you know, it's it's been this has been a, a journey that was never part of my life plan. I I was a teen living in in the South Bay in, in LA, and you know, one of the handful of Jewish families living in Manhattan Beach in the early 80s. I was born and raised in Manhattan Beach, so born in 1965, and uh, when I was nine, my parents got divorced. and it was it sowed the seeds of anger and alienation because there was I think maybe one Jewish family that was divorced and that was us. So it punk rock was a was a perfect fit for a you know, a kid who needed to feel like he belonged. And um, I've gotten the scene probably in the early '80s and was able to see a lot of bands that I wish I remembered going to the gigs. And and I was not I was sober, but it turned into after a while you started to see all the fanzines and you know glenn friedman at the time glenn friedman and ed culver were the kind of the gold standard at least who i knew so you see them on flip side and i don't know maybe that was something i wanted to to be like i i always collected records we'd go to with my allowance my mom would drive me and my friends to zed records in long beach or we go to poser up in our uh, vinyl fetish up in hollywood and I don't know. Maybe it was it was it allowed me to f- be accepted into this community because I didn't feel accepted in a lot of other places. And the music spoke to me. What I really loved at the time was I loved hardcore. I liked the violence of the music, the scene. I was not a violent person. I had friends that were, um, but there was that. That was part of the appeal. I mean, I was not. No offense to social distortion or or bad religion, but I liked. Black Flag was my band. Black Flag, the Circle Jerks. I liked the speed and the power. Mm-hmm. Um, and I lived, you know, Black Flag's, their headquarters was not far, you know, it was maybe a few miles from where, from my home, where I live with my parents or with my dad or my mom, depending on where I got kicked out of. Um, <laughs> but that was my, that was the center of my punk universe was Black Flag. And 
there was something that just spoke to me and it just felt right. And so I started to take photographs. My first gig was Minor Threat at the barn that Ken- Kennedy's headlined. Um, I took really shitty pictures, but the, and I had a point and click, but the only picture that worked is the cover of my book. Wow. Yeah. So it was a good gig. Um, and then, you know, after a while, I, I, I got a 35 millimeter camera for my birthday and started to take photos and they were all, you know, black and white film. And I developed them in my bathroom, uh, my dad's house. Uh, I took a class in, in high school. It was just fun. I mean, I send them to bands. I send them to minor threat. I give them the guys in black flag. And it was, maybe it was my business card as a kid to be able to get accepted and you know, having no, no future plans of what this would ever be. Because at the end of 83, basically August of 83, I went to college and that was it. I put everything in storage. I it was literally the last punk rock gig I went to. I don't really remember exactly who it was, but it might've been, black flag at the federal building. And then I went to college and joined a fraternity and party my brains out and turned, you know, really got into heavy metal because part of it was at that time, black flag had changed kind of my war. The music changed their style changed. And I was reading Jim Rulin's book, which is a really cool book on the rise and fall of SST records. And I could, when I was reading it, I could see, okay, that's the day that I, that's the day everything changed for me is when Black Flag's music changed and they became, they didn't become hardcore. They became, I don't know, core. And it <laughs> bummed me out. And I just said, I'm, I'm done. So you know, I was able to go see some great bands and I mean, seeing, seeing Guns N' Roses early on in the uh, in probably late eighties out in Arizona. I went to Arizona state. So, um, and then my life happened. I had a career, have a same career, married, kids, divorce, life blowing up. And then on July 22nd of 2019, as I'm sitting in my office in Westwood, LA, uh, I got a, I got a text or a call from Fathom and Frank Coiro, who runs Fathom said, I've seen your work online. I want to talk to you. And that moment I did say to him, what time can we meet? Because he said, when do you want to meet? I said, um, today. So I left my office literally immediately. And that changed my life. Wow. Because from 1983 to 2019, punk rock was, was a distant memory. It was, it, was, it, was, it was in storage. It was never, I mean, there was moments where I, would, I knew I had good stuff. I did post uh, photos on a, called Photo Shelter kind of an older version uh, uh, for photographers, but it was never something that became a passion. It was, maybe I'll do a book, maybe not, but it's just all the ingredients weren't there in my life. And this, Frank Coyro changed my life and Fathom changed my life. And from that day on, everything not only changed my life, but hit me in hyperdrive because that call I got was on a Tuesday. I signed my contract on Wednesday. I had my photos with them on Thursday. And that Saturday, I had two photos in an exhibit at their gallery. And I was not prepared for this. I was, it was, uh, unfortunately, my girlfriend uh, is a, she's an artist and she's an author and uh, has a PhD in art history and was able to counsel me and um, calm me down. I drank a lot of wine that night, but it was mind blowing. And then to, move towards January of 2020 and having my own solo photography exhibit at Fathom Gallery was just, I still can't believe that that happened. 
I mean, I still can't believe this whole thing is happening. It's, it's, it's an amazing journey. But what, what I think what it's taught me is that I've found who I am. Took 40 years of ups and downs in life and divorce and this and that to realize what makes me tick. And it's, I like being the rebel. I like being someone who doesn't, who fits in with a group that doesn't fit in. And I knew when my high school newspaper wrote an article about me, that was like the circle. I completed the circle because I took a, as someone take a picture of me with the, the holding of the newspaper. And in the background was where I used to sit with my friends in high school as a punk rock slash teenage degenerate. And, um, but it's been extremely meaningful for me to be able to understand me as who, what makes me tick. And it's, it's made a point in a time in my life back then when I was angry, I was alienated. I was just a bad time in my life. Important. And the fact that I, I guess was pretty good at taking photos, um, is, uh, it, it's a, it's still something I'm trying to understand and how it, uh, you know, what it's doing for me. And it's been, it's been an amazing journey And the book never expected to go there and, and never in a million years that I ever, ever expect to be a published author. And the fact that now my, my girlfriend published a book and now I published a book, it's really helped me from a confidence level of a published author. It's pretty fucking cool. <laughs> yeah. It's quite a, uh, I don't even know how to describe it, but it's almost like a culture shock seeing uh, seeing the stuff that you created just looking back at you in a way. Right. Well, the whole idea was the book, and, and this is true with me, is and, and this is something I'm I'm getting better at, is I was never a professional photographer. I was a kid who just right place at the right time with the camera. I enjoyed the process, but it was never something where everything was planned. It was just it just was. And to be at the right place at the right time with that camera for some pretty, some stuff that really came out, like the, the, the one picture of that one right there of the 40th anniversary of Wild in the Streets uh, insert, that's one of my seminal pictures. That's, that's one of the pictures that maybe is, is my, my, one of my signatures. But I, it's not, I was not a f- professional photographer. I'm still not a professional photographer. I'm, I'm shooting photos again because it's fun. It's fun because photography is a form of art and to be able to express that art through photography, especially black and white is a really neat experience Mm -hmm. and to capture things and to be able to get the accolades of of professional photographers is really mind blowing. It's when I'm at a gig and someone who is an experienced been doing, this is their, this is their profession to say that your stuff is, I, I love your work and it's amazing. And I'm just like, uh, okay, thank you. It's, 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 it's very humbling. And then when you hear someone comes up to me and says, you know, I've, I love your work. you you this is a fan, you know, quote unquote fan. It's a, it's, it's not something that was ever part of my agenda. And this, and I think this whole new journey is there's no agenda attached to it. It's just an evolution that has had so many benefits besides the accolades. It's just, I can share it with my kids are proud of their dad. They think he's actually cool. Maybe not today, but most of the time. Um, and, 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 you know, one of the biggest things I think as a child, you want your dad, you always want your dad to be proud of you. And back then I was such a fuck up 
and a, you know, academics were, you know, I, I graduated high school, how I'm not hundred percent sure I graduated college barely, but to have your father proud of you and say that is very, you know, and, and be able to have him share that is something that I think a lot of kids, especially who are in the scene, you know, a lot of them, they, they, they escaped a shitty life. They escaped, they escaped a bad childhood or just things. And that's the beauty of music and art. It's, it's an escape. You can go to an art museum and escape from the world. You can go to a gig and escape from the world. That's what it's done for me is, and even now it's been, you know, as I'm shooting more photos and I mean, I was, I saw, when I saw Cromax on Friday and Harley is the, he's the Tasmanian devil of punk rock world, but it's neat because he's now a fan of mine. And to me, that's like, you know, to, to get accolades from Wadi or from Harley, from other people is just, it's a great feeling. And I'm, I'm 57. I'm having, I'm having the best time of my life and being able to share it with people who guys like you, who are doing stuff because this is not our day job. You just, cause it's fun. Right. Mm-hmm. That's hard enough. You know, we got, we got so much shit going on in this world and so much sadness. That's the one beauty of music is, People are happy and it's neat to see dads taking their kids to gigs and exposing them to fun music. It's really been something that I never expected, but I'm blessed beyond belief. It's nice that that's a way to keep the passing it down from one generation to the next. as sort of like a, like a rite of passage. It's like, okay, son, you're going to come see this band that changed my life back when I was your age. Yeah. <laughs> well, I was in, I was in DC last week and I hit like the trifecta. So first it was, I have photos in the, in the archives now at the university of Maryland. They have a special collections in the Michelle Smith performing arts department and John, uh, John Davis, who was on discord records with a number of his bands is the curator and to go there and bring stuff, bring photos in my book was just, it was a mind blowing experience. And then the next day go to discord house and see where I slept. Cause in high school, how I figured this out, I have no idea. I, I I'm in sales right now. I'm in financial services. So I think I, I knew I can see where my sales background came from is before my senior year started, I went to DC for, I don't know how many days and through a letter to Ian through my stocking of Black Flag, I was able to go and stay there for a few days, slept on the couch, saw some amazing bands, some minor threat, some of the DC bands at the Wilson Center. And to go back after, after 1982, 40 years, and to go see Discord House and to spend a couple hours with Ian. And then to get, you know, I look at Ian, if you think about the Mount Punkmore. He's one of the five faces on that. And to get the shot on the steps, I was, I was speechless. Uh, I, was, I couldn't even put it into words what that day was like. To me, that was, like, that was my, one of my Mount Everest moments was to be on the steps with Ian. And he was so gracious with his time and showing me his archives. I mean, you want to see archives. I told Ian, I said, can I take a picture of your archive room? He said, Fuck no, absolutely not. <laughs> but to see the things he had, fo- he had letters, three letters that I sent him when I was in high school from 1982 and 1983. He, he is the most principled person I've ever met in my life. 
And for me, that moment was a life, not a bucket list thing, maybe kind of, but it really gave me faith in, in, in what, what music does for people and for people who have passion and conviction about it, no matter what kind of music it is. And I think punk rock has that DIY type of mentality where it's, you know, I don't need big companies. I'm going to do it myself. And that's what Discord did. And, and that time I spent with Ian was, it was life-changing. And I'm still kind of coming to grips with the whole, just being there and being around him and chatting with him and, and learning about what makes him tick. And unfortunately, we'll never see Minor Threat on a reunion tour, unfortunately. Saddens me. He's still passionate about the music. He's, he's, his wife is a, is a musician. They're in a band. And it's very cool seeing the guys who are my age. I mean, when I saw the Circle Jerks for the first time again at, at the uh, House of Blues in Anaheim, I felt like I was going to have a heart attack because <laughs> they were so loud and so good. It was punishing. You had negative approach open, which just is like a sledgehammer to your head. Yeah. <laughs> and the circle jerks were so good. And it was so much fun seeing everybody with smiles. I mean, back in the day when, and that's funny, one of the songs that uh, Xander, Xander Schloss from the, from the circle jerks has, it's called it something about punk rock, but he had a thing as B I T D back in the day, because that's something that the older guys always talk about was back in the day when it was this. Right. But it's neat to see these guys just, hopefully they're playing to get paid because they've earned it, but they're playing music and it brings the feelings of, of people my age to see the bands like you know, Bad Religion or Circle Jerks or even Pennywise, who I've known. I've known Jim and Fletcher since high school. Fletcher is, the only change in Fletcher is he's taller and heavier. <laughs> but he was crazy back back then when he was in Con 800 is they make people smile. People are happy. And the vibe is different now. I mean, seeing fights at the Exploited show was kind of like, guys, this isn't the 80s. This isn't gang warfare. This isn't, you know, you don't need to be an asshole. It's we're here. There's a lot of guys here who have, who have or parents or they have, they have grandparents. It's because it's fun and it's music and it's guys who are out there playing and and putting themselves out there. And I'm fortunate to be able to have the luxury of, of getting access to shoot photos. And I'm having the time of my life. It's a little tiring. My ears ring a lot again because they rang all through high school. Getting back to the book, it's the whole idea of the book was I was a fan. I'm still a fan. So I wanted to give the people a view of what it was like to be the fan who just happened to have a camera. I didn't want it to be a punkumentary. I wanted it to be pictures that I took, but then fun stories from the band members. And I was lucky to get a number of the band members talk about their experience, whether it was in Los Angeles or wherever. When I read Milo's piece, I just still laugh because it was all about gas, not gas you put in the tank, but gas that comes out your ass. <laughs> and that was the whole, that's a very descendants type of theme, but it was just Tell stories that are fun, that a fan would n would not hear about. Des's story about the number thirty three jersey that he wore in Texas and in L.A. because he lost a bet. Because Des is a lifelong and diehard New York Giants fan, so for a New York Giants fan to wear a Dallas Cowboys jersey, there's got to be something heavy on the line. And his story was was really fun to, 
fun to hear and just hear Billy Bill Stevenson's stories about bonus cup or the you know, how they used to steal gas and the whole and their songs and you can you can hear it in their songs about how they'd steal gas and and that's been the fun part. I mean, I, I wish every band had uh, had participated. The Misfits didn't really give me much, but I had a friend of mine who we used to go to gigs together, and her story was the night the Misfits stayed at my house. And the fact that they took her mom's Chrysler Baron, or she offered her mom's Chrysler Baron to go drive from Manhattan Beach to Santa Barbara. It's one of the greatest stories of all time. <laughs> and that's, what's, that's what it should be. It should be, you know, this is fun. This isn't life or death. This is, you want to make people to maybe find a way to escape or to, to look back and say, oh, I remember that night when, yeah, we went to Bob's place and we thought we were going to die that night because who in their right mind puts a punk rock gig in the middle of Watts where it was Crips and Bloods and just punk rock and gangbangers don't mix. But it's, yeah. uh, it's, it's been, it's just, this has been a gift that keeps giving in, in ways that I don't expect and that I never expected. It sounds very interesting. Where can we and anybody else get your book? Where, where can we get the punk photos from a fan's perspective? So we are in our fourth print. Um, we do our printing process is we print local in Los Angeles. And there's been a big issue with supply chain issues with getting paper to actually print books. But if you go to Fathom, the Fathom website, or if you go to my link on my Instagram page, Kevin Salk Punk Rock Photography, you'll find the link to buy my book. It's uh, it's forty dollars, not including shipping. And you know we're we're talking about doing some type of limited edition hardcover uh, idea. There's a lot of fun things coming up. And um, but yeah, if you go to my Instagram page, and that's where you can find it, or if you just Google Kevin Salk punk rock book. You'll go right to it. That's cool. And you were talking about uh, more pictures, uh, recent shows. And so since 2019, because uh, it sounded like from around, what, 82 to 2019, definitely no no pictures at shows, right? Or at least not at punk it was, shows. It was, I mean, I'll, I'll be real specific. It was from August of 1983 Okay. to... Shit, probably 2021, where I wasn't, I was out of the scene. I saw Pennywise in 08, I think, maybe 2011 at the Palladium, but it was, I wasn't into it. I didn't have that emotional attachment. I didn't have the ex, the more tattoos. And I'm, I got my Henry Life is Pain. I want to be insane about six months ago. And I'm working, I'm going to get the bars and other stuff because. Why not? It's fun. Yeah. yeah the bars it's, was uh, the first tattoo I got. <laughs> the life and the, the one that I have, it's on Henry's arm. I, I really love the guys. There's three tattooed, not to publicity stunt for them, but it's a cool tattoo. There's that's, that, that's a whole nother conversation, but <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I was literally, it was, I started taking photos again. My first gig back was descendants at the, it was last, I think it was last year at the five points amphitheater in Irvine. I was like a deer in headlights. I had no idea what I was doing. I didn't realize that there's a three song rule and, but I was able to get shots just, I was able to wing it. And it kind of gave me the confidence of knowing that, you know what? I'm, I actually have, get, I have the eye. I know how to find stuff. And then, 
as I've gotten better at it and I've upgraded my equipment, uh, it's helped me, you know, the whole experience and journey has helped me get the access. So now I can get the photo pass and get the all access pass. And yeah, I've been shooting. I shot Chromags and Exploited on Friday night. I've been Circle Jerks twice, Bad Religion. And the stuff is, I've been told by a number of professionals that my stuff is really, really good. So it's, it's also just been fun to be back with the camera. I mean, it's photography is a hobby and it's something you can take like music. You can take it or art and you can take it, take it to the grave. So working on my next gig, which actually might be Slipknot in Chula Vista in on July, June 18th, I'm waiting for the confirmation, but I love Slipknot. I know Corey Taylor is a big, big punk rock fan. So that will be that, that gig actually makes me nervous. <laughs> but it's going to be end of August circle jerks and descendants, but I, it is, it is fun shooting at, I shot Doyle at the whiskey and I do miss the small venues. That's what I grew up with. You know, I, I didn't grow up with these big outdoor arenas or festivals. I grew up going to the whiskey or the Starwood or the Cathay de Grand or these other just shitty little places where there was no lighting and uh, there was an intimacy to it. You had that feel of, you felt the sweat. I mean, at, at, at the gig on Friday, I mean, I was literally two feet from Harley and to be able to shoot that gave me that feeling back, quote unquote, back in the day Mm -hmm. was to be that close. It made some really fun fun photography that I want to share to everybody. I mean, that's, it's, if I can make people happy and, and give them smiles or you know, some kind of experience, then, you know, it's, it's all gold. Yeah, totally. That's why I love the, yeah, I'm still on the uh, smaller venue circuit. Like I go to bigger shows cause I don't know, bands coming through that I love and they've made it that far, but, but yeah, as far as the underground goes, there are bands still playing on the floor and I love that. <laughs> I'm still playing on the floor and it's just, and that's, that's great. There's no, but also there's a better, I, I was up in San Francisco at a, it was an art exhibit that I had some work in and there was a band playing there called the Belltone. So I'd never heard before, but they played and their instruments, their amps, the drum kit was all on asphalt. And there was a certain sound that came out of it by being on the ground. That was very unique. And I'm like, that felt like my that that felt like my youth, and there was no blue and yellow and all the other sh- lights that I have to deal with now. But it was just it felt very old school, and that's fun. And I think that's the one thing that hopefully bands will continue to do is go back to a you know do a gig at someone's garage. Yeah, do it at some shithole bar where you may have played at thirty years ago when no one was there, maybe two people. Do those small places because that gives hopefully kids nowadays. I want them to experience what we experienced as their age is the whiskey go go or clubs like that that are iconic and, and have that flavor. You feel literally feel and taste the sweat because you're right next to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we still get. I can attest. We do still have that that same uh, camaraderie and that same uh, that same excitement and these. Uh, just this monastic group of people who are just like, you just feel the hunger for underground shows. So yeah, there's quite a bit of that going on. We have our bars and and we have our garages. (laughs) I think it's important because it also gives kids, 
the opportunity to play music and be in bands and express their art. I mean, their music is art. Photography is art. And to be able to go out there, I couldn't do it. To be able to, to go out and sing in front of more than zero people would be terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a, it was a bit of a hurdle for myself. But honestly, I was like, you know what? I'm a showman at heart. All the years of practicing in my parents' basement and or in the mirror, it's like, yeah, it's going to be paying off right now. And it has been paying <laughs> off. And that's got to be, as a musician, it's got to be an amazing experience to have to impact that person. And maybe that's something I'm getting with photography, is this photograph of Keith Morris and showing a... So what I've been doing is kind of then and now. So I have a, I've been posting a picture of Keith from 83 and then a Keith from 2022 and comparing the two and posting that. And that's that's kind of been something that I think is cool. You're able to see them then and then now, which is a very good segue to um, my next project is a then and now. It's using photos I took back in the 80s to, to now shooting photos of bands Day because there's not many of the photographers from back when I was shooting that are still active. And then the other project is I'm I'm working on getting I'm doing um, portrait shots. Very simple. Takes a minute to have a, someone in a band. Whether it was uh, you know, so far I've gotten Ian in front of Disc, Discord House. I got John Brandon and Kevin Seconds and just a very simple portrait shot. So what I want to do is try to get as many portrait shots of the bands that were around when I was a kid and some of the new bands. I took this, the guitar player and, and the bass player for a slaughterhouse. I saw them on Friday night. I took a picture of them. So I'm building an inventory of just very simple, no rules. You can do whatever you want. You can, you can flip me off. You can smile. You can do nothing, but it's very simple. And I think that's just kind of, for me, whether it, it's a published work or not, it's a fun project. Mm-hmm as it allows me to also go out and meet my idols. I have goals. I want to see John Doe and X scene because they, I saw them when I was a kid and to be able to try to go there and just say, Hey, you, you, what you did for me as, as a youth is impacted me now as an adult. I just need 30 seconds to shoot a picture of you and a picture of you. And, and to me, that's a fun, that's a fun journey. Yeah, it totally is. And I love seeing, like, uh, I love the idea of then and now just to see, like, yeah, just to, like, have this sort of, uh, these people, they're still out here. They're still doing their thing. So there's no age limit to this stuff. <laughs> no, and they may not be doing punk rock stuff, but they're doing, you know, they're doing something. I mean, whether it's Henry doing his spoken word. I mean, he's still, he's another one of the of the Ian mold of archiving, collecting and I don't care what people say. I'm going to do my thing my way. And I don't give a fuck what you think. Mm-hmm. I will say when I, when Henry, I was able to meet him up in Hollywood to sign, I think one of my best photos for my own, my, my wall of, of photos that I keep on the, on the wall that other people in my house can't see. <laughs> I was terrified. I was sweating bullets when I saw Henry. I was like a little kid, but he was so cool. And I'm, you know, I was 50. Yeah, I think I was yeah, I was 57 or 56, something around my birthday. And it was just, it's still, it's still that I'm still that fan. I'm still that geek who, who loves the music. And my publisher is saying, you know, you need to start to think about being, you know, you're a professional photographer. You're not that kid anymore. And it's like, well, <laughs> yes, but no, I'm doing this because it's fun. And if there's revenue that's attached to it, great. That's just, 
That's gravy. That helps me buy new lenses for my camera. Yep, exactly. Invest back into yourself. Which, yeah, the, the, the DC trip was an investment back on myself. But I got I to gotta tell you, that, that experience of being on the steps at Discord House was, you know, there, you have moments in your life. And for me, obviously, seeing my kids born and seeing their growth. But that was something I'll put up there as I've, I've made it to the promised land. Sound like it. <laughs> it was cool. It was really, it was really cool. I was floating the rest of the day. Yeah, one thing you also uh, uh, mentioned prior to us uh, starting this interview was uh, uh, the punk rock museum that's been opening, and I guess you have a hand in that. Yeah. So, so Fat Mike of No Effects is starting the punk rock museum. It's one of a kind in the planet. It's going to be in Vegas, hopefully sometime later in the year. But I've been fortunate to be tagging along with the photography group. And it's Allison Braun, Lisa Brownlee, and, and, and the people that are, I'm able to see, photo, I'll be able to see the photographs that people submit to them for the museum. And I'm fortunate to have a number of, a number of my pieces that will be in the museum in the permanent collection and, and have other things like my book and, and other things in, in, the, in the gift shop. But it's been very cool to see photos that have never been seen before. Billy Idol, when he was you know, early Generation X. Oh, wow. And it's just, I mean, it's like, holy shit, is that stuff good? There was one photo especially. Um, my publisher represents a number of, of photographers in the estate of Richard Aaron. He was one of the photographers. He was the only photographer who was on the Sex Pistols tour when they came to the States in the late 70s. And he has, there was one photo especially. So it was Steve Jones, and they're sitting on stage before a gig. And Steve Jones was teaching Sid Vicious how to play a certain song. And Johnny Rotten was there looking at it, but it, it, it didn't show Sid Vicious the comedian and the, the knucklehead. Mm-hmm. It was Sid Vicious the kid saying, I have no idea what the fuck I'm doing here. But <laughs> it was one of those photos that was powerful to see. And to be one of the people that saw that or see other photos of, I mean, it, it, it's been amazing. And to be part of that and to be, to have maybe a, a say in, in what, what's happening, has been really exciting. And I think it's going to be, uh, when they open it, it's going to be something that's going to blow people's minds because it's going to be stuff where they're just going to be, I can't believe what I'm seeing. And, and some of the ideas, but they really want to make it, you know, punk rock started here. And it's continued, and and Fat Mike is passionate about bringing that to people. So I think the the experience of people who who were in it, or who are currently in it, or maybe thinking about it, to go to a place and see it and get that feel for it, it to be involved in, it's been very very exciting. And some of the photographs I've seen are just jaw dropping, where it's like someone had a camera at a clash concert somewhere in england and it's never been seen before and being able to see also some of the new photographers that are out there shooting gigs there's some stuff that i'm seeing from some of the guys out there are just like good god that stuff's good you know back then the the technology wasn't i mean i used a flash and film but now you're seeing people using digital and and really seeing some amazing work. And it's very exciting to see. I mean, when I'm on the call, I see this picture. It's just, oh my goodness. Sid Vicious in a hotel room in, in Dallas, waking up to a you know vodka, vodka and orange juice. It's cool to be seeing things for the first time. Yeah. And that bring it brings you back. It brings you that's the fun thing about what I've been doing, is it brings me back to 
that time that's that was special. And there's nothing wrong with that. A lot of people say, oh, don't you don't want to live in your live in the past, but music and art is all about the past because it's already been made. And to be able to be experience it and have that visceral experience of listening to a song, listening to Depression by Black Flag, and, and maybe it's different when you're older, but it resonates different than when you were 16 or 17. Mm-hmm. And then being able to, to also look at it from an artistic standpoint and seeing the photograph, it's been really, really exciting. And it's just given me a love of photography uh, that I'll take to, you know, take to my grave. Yeah, it's, I can totally relate to music hitting me in different ways. Like some of the songs that I listened to when I was uh, 15, ever since then, I was like checking out all this new stuff, building the musical palette, so to speak. And then I'm like, oh, yeah, I haven't heard this song in a while. I listened to it and... Hey, well, you know, it's still good. <laughs> and you still remember the words. Oh, yeah, of course I remember the words. <laughs> if that's what's amazing with the human mind. I mean, that's the thing that's been frustrating is most of the gigs that I went to, I have no memory. Granted, I probably burned a lot of brain cells in college. In fact, <laughs> I, did. It's, it's, I did burn a lot of brain cells. But it's like I wish I could remember gigs that I shot photos at. The, the minor threat at the Cafe de Grand. Zero recollection you know someone said oh we were at the night when there was the riot on sunset boulevard at when black flag and doa played and my memory was the car being pummeled by bottles of beer bottles being thrown from just to the right of the club onto sunset boulevard well my one of my friends i've known since kindergarten who went we went to every gig together almost every gig he's like oh yeah we were there for the first one and i'm like okay i was Sounds good to me. <laughs> so I, I I remember the night of coming home at six in the morning and my mother being in the alley holding a newspaper in her bathrobe. She thought I was dead. And because there was no there's no cell phones and I wasn't smart enough to take a pay phone. And we're just you know, even thinking about like flyers. You know, you look at flyers and what the bands, I mean, you guys, I guess you're in a, you're in bands and you know that flyers is your that's your social media. Yeah. And back then, I remember Black Flag for the Ukrainian Hall gig. We got a bunch of flyers from the band and we plastered them all over our high school with glue. But that was that was your Instagram. That was your social media for the bands was passing flyers out. And it's cool to see bands, younger bands go out there at a gig afterwards and passing out flyers or passing out anything for saying, hey, we're playing here or playing there. I mean, that's that's the neat thing to see is that mindset has not changed. Yeah, we have Instagram, we have Facebook, we have other ways, but having that flyer in your hand, that is cool. And I think that is something that I think bands need to embrace again is, yeah, we're on Instagram, but here's a flyer. Yeah, exactly. It's a, it's something that you, uh, you tend to like, uh, you don't lose that flyer. It's like a physical thing. You'll probably keep it in your car, keep it on your desk, but you will see it eventually. Where it's like uh, on Instagram or uh, Facebook, it's like the algorithms will not work in our favor most of the time. <laughs> Bye-bye. <laughs> That's the great thing about vinyl. You're seeing that big, you know, you're seeing bands, Pennywise, Circle Jerks, everybody, who are putting out anniversary albums. I think that's great. I mean, the fact that I have that in the 40th, you know, for, for me, it's a, it's, a, it's a mind-numbing that I actually have something in that album. But I think bands... Kids who are in bands should make flyers and pass them out. Go do the hard work. Don't just post. If 
post it in, in social media, but go out there and sneak out of your house <laughs> when your parents are asleep and go pass flyers out, plaster them everywhere. I think that is something that we need again because it takes you back to that. Ian had a great quote when, when because Ian did a really nice piece in my book was back then it was the kids. Most of the time it was kids who were booking the bands. It was kids that were promoting. It was kids that were doing the, doing the, the engineering and recording of music. And that's something that's like, when I when mentioned that, I'm like, yeah, you're right. These guys weren't, I mean, there were, again, there's the Gary Tovars, the world's were older and some of the big promoters, but it's like a lot of these gigs were put on by people who were our kids age or might, you know, in their late teens. And that's something that is, is really a neat thing. So I think get back to doing flyers again. I mean, the Raymond Pettibone, I mean, he's a twisted genius. His, his, his work is I, unfortunately my girlfriend will not allow me to put up some of the flyers in the house because they're just probably just not appropriate. Oh yeah. The infamous, uh, uh, the gun in the cop's mouth. Oh, there's a lot more, you know, the whole thing with the devil being, you know, the, the nun giving birth to the devil. Oh Yeah. I think that is something that I would I would hope bands would start. You know, let's let's make a flyer and put that flyer on Instagram, but also give it in people's hands. Give them something that is like, this is what my dad grew up with, or this is what my grandfather did, is passing out flyers. And I think that's the one thing I love with photography. It does give hopefully it gives people that tangible feel and having a book of wow, this is this is real because this music is real. I think it's more real than a lot of other music out there. I mean, I took my girlfriend went to her first. We went to see Pennywise down in, uh, in in L.A. in Garden Grove when they played for their five. They did five gigs of each album. And the one thing she loved about it was it's four guys on a stage. There's no electronics. There's no electronic bullshit. It was just simple. Play music, play it hard, play it loud and and also love your fans. And make sure that they know that they are part of that family. I think Pennywise does that probably better than any other band is you're part of the family. But make people feel included and give them that ability to feel like they're part of the group, I think is great. And that's the great thing. We have live music. And we've missed that. COVID was obviously a big challenge for live music. But, you know, I have re-immersed myself in the fact that I can go to a gig and see guys play because they love to play. They're not flying on jets and they're not, even though it's, it's fun. I mean, I can't wait to see Slipknot and yeah, it'd be great to shoot Metallica and stuff like that, but it's fun to see guys who are younger people who maybe I can help them by shooting photos of them and then, and then helping them promote their music and their band. And then using my photos to help them promote their music. They're doing, they're, they're artists. They're putting themselves out there and, and, it's, it's a, that's a, I mean, you're in a band. That's a, that's not a fun, that's a hard life. Yeah, you know, it a is. Lot of, <laughs> a lot of some, I mean, the stories of that I, in my book of the, the touring and the smells and the lack of personal hygiene. <laughs> it's just, it's just, and maybe it's changed a lot now, but it back, it just sounded God awful. <laughs> I couldn't do it. There's no fucking way. Yeah. It's one of those things where it's like you, Wish your sense of smell has been compromised. (laughs) (laughs) When you are playing in front of a crowd, you're giving that person an hour, two hours of an escape from whatever 
if they're having a bad day or their life is just not, you know, things just suck. Mm-hmm. You're given that, that ability to have that outlet and that's art. And that's what artists are able to do, whether it's music or photography or, or painting or whatever. It, you give that person the escape to be, feel like they're a part of it. And hopefully, you know, getting back to the museum, someone can go to a museum and have that experience of how, what was it like going to a black flag show in, in the eighties? And what was it like to have that virtual billy club beat the shit out of me? I learned how to run. I learned how to run through alleys and through through yards. Because, yeah, it was, it was a scary time. But I, one thing that's also great, the stories. The person who tells the greatest stories is Des Kadena. His stories of getting into Black Flag and being in Black Flag are just epic. And that's fun. I'm not going to make any excuses. I'm just having the time of my life. And I'm going to embrace it and enjoy it. And if someone's got a problem with it, I could, I could, I could give a shit. That's their fucking problem. <laughs> it's like, yeah, oh, well, you know, worry about yourself. <laughs> I'm having fun and I'm going to continue what I do. And I'm going to play the music loud because that's what I like. And to all the people that are, that are making music right now, I mean, that's great. You're, you're bringing something to people where as an adult with children and I can have maybe a different view on the world, it's important and you got to keep doing it because people need it and it helps them through, you know, it, it, maybe it helps them go one way versus the other, or it's like, I think I can play drums. So I'm going to do it. Or, you know what? I think I can take photographs. So I'm going to do it and I'm going to go for it because it's my passion and passion is something we need. It's important. And it's in, in music. It's taught me this new journey has taught me so much in ways that I cannot even really put into words. And I don't want to get teary-eyed on this show because that would be kind of very unpunk rock. <laughs> but it's been that important to me where you can feel, and at 57, to be able to feel that passion, you know, now it makes sense. And it took me a long time. And to be able to have all these gifts of a book and photographs and notoriety and all the other stuff, it's been, it's been a blessing. And I, again, what you guys are doing is great. And anyone out there that's doing this kind of stuff is, you know, you're, you're doing it because it's fun. The stuff that I do is like uh, this scene, this community, that, this thing that I've based my life around. It's given me so much. So I feel like, uh, you know, doing what I'm doing here on this uh, podcast and doing what I'm doing with my band is like my way of giving back to that community and also helping to keep that community growing. Just because I love it so much, I want to see it survive. I mean, I missed 40 years of, of what bands were doing. And now, so it's been fun as I'm going back and seeing, okay, what did Pennywise do over these years? And what did the Circle Jerks do? And <laughs> because I was, I left, I mean, I'm very type A. So when I'm done, I'm done. And I went to college. And again, I was able to go see, I mean, see an ACDC front row was 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 epic in the eighties and Metallica. And, but now I'm enjoying seeing what being part of that tight knit community of a small environment, a small club and feeling the music. You can hear music, but feeling it is different. Mm -hmm. Listening to it is different. And when you can hear a song that you listened to 40 years ago, and it's even better now because maybe your hearing is better or whatever, or it has different meaning. It's like, I listen to minor threat songs. I'm like, it's just fucking great. Yeah. It's great music. I still love jazz and classical, but as someone who's maybe old school to see, I don't, I still, I don't understand the circle pit and never have. It seems more like a people that are there for exercise 
in a, in a prison yard <laughs> than what I remember back when I was a kid. Because back the slam pit was scary. I mean, especially in LA, you had gang, you had territories, you had Orange County, you had Venice, you had South Bay, you had Hollywood in the Valley. They they didn't really get along too well. I don't want to be near a fight. You know, I'm too old. I almost beat the shit out of some guy at the at the at the Bad Religion show where he was just you know the line in Animal House: "Fat, drunk, and stupid is no way to go through life." <laughs> but fortunately, I was able to get him kicked out for being such an idiot. And you know, back back in the day, that would have been taken care of. Yeah, but it is just again the it's just the experience and. Being 57 years young gives me something. I can gush over it for a lot, but I just can't quite. It's just so much fun. And that's been the main thing is I'm having the most fun, which is, and hopefully others are enjoying that fun too. This is great. And I, again, I appreciate what you guys are doing. And I'm very you know thankful that I'm part of your world. And this is fun. Well, as we're wrapping this up, I want to say thank you for what you've done. I, I know that wasn't your intention when you were doing this you know, back at the early stages of my life and before Eric was born, for sure. Because, you know, at that time, there I would have not... I was... Your last shows, I was three years old, you know? So there was no way I was attending those shows. And I'm grateful that Fat Mike is putting together a, a punk rock museum. But for works of art like what you've put together with your book, with the punk rock museum, it gives the ability for people that can still... You know, especially with our, with our digital age, we can go back, we can listen to the music. We can't have, you know, go back in the time machine, unfortunately, and live the experiences of being there. But we can go listen to the music and you can still love it, even though you weren't even around when any of this was happening in some cases. Uh, or you were just too too young to have been there. So to be able to see it in a way, you know, instead of just hear the stories. Hearing the stories are great, but... Having the the visual to go along with it adds so much to it. Now it's been, and that's something that I enjoy is is being able to give people that opportunity. And there's so many great photographers, whether it's Allison Braun or or Ed Culver or Glenn Friedman or Jim Saw out of DC. I mean, there's so many people that, and there's a lot of people that have never. It's like, wow, I have all these pictures. I've never posted. I've never put them. Them. Marla Watson is coming out with a new book called My Punk Rock Life. And she's in a lot of the pictures that I took. Hers are good. Mine suck because I was using a point and click. But it's neat. It's been, it's the funnest thing is to see a photo of me taking a photo. So Allison took photos at the Misfits up in, up in Goleta and Santa Barbara. And so she's on the other side of the stage. So I have pictures of her taking pictures of me and vice versa. <laughs> and, and that's a neat thing. That is really a trip. When someone says, that's a picture of you, I'm like, fuck. That's just crazy. You know, they're gifts that keep on giving. And, you know, again, when I say this has been a life-changing moment for me in my life, I mean, it's, and I'm able to meet new people from all over the world. It's great for my ego to be recognized and humbling to be thought of as someone who's, who's got, you know, who's, who's made an impact mm -hmm. and I'm going to keep doing it. I mean, it's, 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 uh, these are, these are fun and, you know, that's, I appreciate what you guys are doing and I'm very you know, grateful for the fact that we connected and that you like my book. Yeah. Let's just keep doing what we're doing and, and keep doing epic shit to anybody. Right. Yeah. That's, that, 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 that should be a new t-shirt. Do epic. Actually, there is one out there. Do epic shit. All right, Kevin, thank you. And no, I guys, thank you. Thank I'm, you very much. This has been great. I've been, uh, you know, I still got some wine left. 
And uh, so, but no, this has been a, this has been a blast. I, I trust me. I needed this today. Well, I'm glad I mean, you had all the stories to tell us and I'm looking forward to that punk rock museum opening and checking out the stuff that you have along with everybody else there as well. Yeah, it's going to be, it's, I can't wait for the opening. I can't wait to see stuff. It's going to be, it's going to be really fucking cool. I know that's something on my list to check out at whenever I go out West again. Right. Absolutely. So even though you have to go to Vegas, still, yeah. this will be worth it. Agree. Yeah. Come down to LA. There's some good stuff going on down here. Oh yeah. Hopefully playing a show down there. Well, you need to let me know so I can shoot photos. Yeah. All I ask is is give me all access pass. That's all I ask. All right. Simple trade-off. <laughs> there you <Yeah>. go. <laughs> exactly. All right, Kevin. Thank you. Have a great evening. Guys, thank you very much. I really appreciate it. That was great fun. We do too. Yeah. Thank you so much for taking the time. We really enjoyed it. Thanks, guys. Keep having fun. And there you go. That was Kevin. And yeah, what a man of many words, especially the words, I'm having fun. Right? (laughs) That was like story time. I even said that during the interview, but we just kind of kicked back and listened to story time and all the cool things that he lived through. Obviously, uh, things that Eric would not have been capable of living through because of his age. (laughs) Uh (laughs) Even me, even me, uh, you know, a lot of these things, I would have been uh, a toddler and no way would I be at shows taking pictures at that age. So, it's great that people like Kevin did do that, and it's great, uh, you know, Punk Museum that's going to be about and archives at University of Maryland and archives at Discord House and all these places that are, are holding all of this great information out there for people to see, discover, as they either couldn't or just didn't have the opportunity to witness these things themselves. So it's good that those are out there. Exactly. You know, and uh, I love the, I loved how he was uh, saying that he was only in it for this, uh, you know, little increment of time. Right. And then he was like, okay, then he, as he put it, put down his camera and then went to college, joined the fraternities and uh, got really into metal for a minute. Right. But it's awesome that it's like no matter how much time has passed, the connection was still there and it was still strong for him to like wrap around back into it. Right. And and yeah, now it looks like he's here to stay a while longer. I mean, he's already in there. Yeah. What when did he say? Was that 2019? Yeah. That he started coming in. Yeah. 2019. So, yeah, he's about due for another remission. <laughs> Right. <laughs> I hope. And I hope he doesn't meet that mark. Right. Uh, looking forward to the next book. And I think that that's really cool. What a good window. I mean, there's a few good windows out there, I'm sure, to have been that type of person to be involved with and to be with your camera. But what a great window. And that's yeah. awesome. So get out there. Check out that book. Thank you again to Kevin. And again, the book is Punk. Photos from a fan's perspective. If you get the opportunity to go check him out, uh, if he does any shows, go see his photography. And then definitely when that uh, punk museum opens up in Vegas, I am definitely going to hit that up at some point. Oh, I know I will. Right? Looking forward to seeing the pictures that are there. Yeah. Because I'm just like, we have the Rock and Roll History Museum. And then uh, you see it in Tenacious D. And it was like, classic rock is clear. I'm going to check out punk. I'm like, oh. (laughs) Why couldn't we see that section? Right. But now we got a whole museum dedicated to it. So That's awesome. Uh. 
<laughs> I agree. Way to go, Fat Mike, for doing that, and then everybody else uh, for having the content to add to it. Eric, we're going to wrap up the show, though. What's your non-punk pick for this episode? Well, apparently it's something on the same lines as you. Yes. Being that these are, you and I both chose bands from the 90s, and both of them have dead members. Yes. <laughs> Vital members. Yes, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, we're kind of weird how this uh, happened. Anyway, uh, my band that I chose is Alice in Chains. They are, yeah, as far as uh, grunge is concerned, I'm not exactly, uh, let's see. A grunge aficionado? Yeah, that's the word I was looking for. <laughs> I kept, I was like, wait a minute. They're the same letters that I was looking for, but they are all jumbled. Anyway, okay. yeah, aficionado. I listened to it a lot when I was a kid, and then I just started getting into faster and heavier music. But Me too. Yeah, <laughs> kind of weird how that works. <laughs> right? And, uh, and yeah, grunge arguably was a little past my time. I grew up in the post-grunge era, which is... Oh, God. <laughs> when grunge sold out, I guess. <laughs> it was like, yeah, we traded in our flannels for Urban Outfitters. Right. Oh, God. Uh, it's just such a... That whole genre is cringe. All those bands. Oh, my God, all those bands. Anyway. Yeah, grunge, <laughs> it was full of a lot of bands who were... Uh, had a lot of mental strains. Had a lot of addiction. Had a lot of... Uh, just a lot of shortcomings in their lives. And they were just using grunge as a template of like, you know, this is what I'm going through. And I don't know how long I'm going to make it. And judging by how many, uh, you know, members of bands of the grunge scene are now, you know, dead. Right. It's, uh, yeah, you can't exactly replace that. That's true. Yeah, so... So yeah, grunge is a, it's sort of a genre that's extinct right now. I mean, Alice in Chains is still going, despite the fact they do not have Lane anymore. And, and haven't for 20 years. Yeah, haven't for 20 years. Lane Staley, he died in 02. Heroin and cocaine. Y you know. Right? <laughs> they got a lot of songs about, uh, about being addicted in, their, in all of their albums, pretty much. But especially on their second album, Dirt, which is by far... Their best record. I don't care what anyone says. Facelift was great as the one that, or as the album, I refer to it as the album that has Man of the Box on it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, the rest of the album's good, but come on. We all know what everyone's listening to. <laughs> and, the, and yeah, even the stuff they put out with William Duvall, it's, uh, you know, it's pretty good. It is pretty good. You know, it's comparable to the Lane Staley years. So... I would say that they are still going strong to this day as musicians and as songwriters and whatever. But honestly, nothing can touch Dirt. That album is just front to back a master class work of just dirty rock music. And eh, I know what I said. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, I got a few favorites on this one. I wanted, I wanted more to go with the uh, kind of more upbeat one it's this one's got a lot of more groove to it and it's very uh, riff centric and it just feels like a, it just feels like people want to dance and move to this song and this song is damn that river
lyrics of that song sound like a relationship gone shower or a friendship gone sour, and it's uh, pretty brutal when you look at that. I hit you with a rake. I stomped you on the face. Right? Yeah. And you just wouldn't get that from the music that's surrounding it. But, but yeah, that's what made Alice in Chains so, uh, uh, so different amongst... Amongst the others, put them in, putting them in like the big four of grunge. You know, it was them and Nirvana and Soundgarden and Pearl Jam. Right. Yeah, you know, Soundgarden are just like a Black Sabbath with a better singer. <laughs> <laughs> At Pearl Jam, that was the that was the start of all the these vocals. Right. <laughs> yep. If you could blame blame Eddie Vedder for Creed. <laughs> And then yeah. uh, the the fucking the other band, the dude sounds like a goat, uh, as well when he's singing. Uh, which one, Stone Temple Pilots? No, newer band. Newer <laughs> band still going around. They've probably been around like the last ten years. Oh, my brother-in-law listens to him. I don't know why. I don't know. They all sound the same. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Allison Chains, Dirt. It's a great album. They have some of the biggest songs on there, including like Rooster and uh, Wood. And them bones, but yep. all the songs in between, they really hit hard. And some of them, they hit a little harder than others, like uh, like down in a hole. Jesus, that's one of the most depressing songs I've ever heard. And, <laughs> and yeah, the title would <laughs> does convey that feeling. So uh, yeah, but honestly, damn that river, it's a standout to me. My favorite song would will have to be done later. So sometime in the next uh, five months, maybe. There we'll you see. Go. <laughs> we'll see if I am running out of ideas and need to dig deep in the barrel. There you go. My track, new metal still, or new metal-ish, because some of them, who knows. But this band is Snot. They're from Santa Barbara, California. They started in 95, but unfortunately were done in 98 because just as Lane Staley passed away, well, so did Lynn Strait of Snot, but for different reasons. Lynn Strait was in a car accident. Him and his boxer, who I believe is the boxer on the cover of this album, Get Some, both were in the car and died. They were hit by a truck, I believe. So, yeah, that's an unfortunate way to pass. Lynn they didn't record vocals. I think he had, like, two tracks for vocals. One was on a soundtrack for the movie Strangeland. It's a D. Snyder movie. If you oh yeah, I know that one. Okay, <laughs> haven't seen it, but I know of it. There, there's a track from Snot that's supposed to be on there, and then one other one. And so the next album, which came out I think in 2001 or 2002, was called Straight Up. That was a bunch of people uh, doing vocals. So the band, most for the most part anyway, the band Snot playing the music because they wrote tracks. They just didn't get any vocals recorded. Uh, besides those two tracks before Lynn died. So we're not on that album, but I figure I would mention, in case you want to go check it out, you can go check out Straight Up. We're going to check out a track from the band Snot off of Get Some that came out in 1997. It's called I Just Lie. Before you spread them legs for me 
Snot, are you familiar with the band Snot? Actually, I am. Okay. I know Snot. I don't know their music too well, but I do know that of all the new metal bands that came out, this was the one that a lot of punks and hardcore kids could agree on. Right. And yeah, you can kind of see why. They are not too far away from the musical caliber of Madball. Right. Yeah, Madball had that very same that those groove-based rhythms and the style of uh, the style of vocal phrasing was really more about like keeping a flow. Especially if you hear the later '90s of Madball's catalog, it's pretty close to being new metal, but it's still <laughs> very much rooted in MYHC. But honestly, most bands were going that route as soon as Pantera hit the scene. But all bets were off. <laughs> so, so yeah, and. Also, a couple episodes ago, we were talking with uh, 
one of the guys we were interviewing was talking about how hardcore albums in the 90s were starting to adapt that gangbanger look on there, just like the the sort of uh, spray-painted album artwork, you know, guys in hoods, maybe rolling dice in the street. Just that that sort of gang's, gangbanger imagery. Right. And a lot of hardcore records were doing that as well. And they were even starting to dress like them, you know? Right. Hoodies and dicky shorts and a lot of... Uh, a lot of chains coming from the fingers, a lot of rings on the fingers, a lot of chains on the waist, right, and on the neck, and a lot of uh, a lot of flat brimmed fitted caps as well, <laughs> and that's still arguably going to this day. Absolutely, that's not. We're done with that. Uh, that song was just about the dance between men and women, right? Mm. <laughs> yeah, that's not something uh, hardcore kids uh, sing about too much. You're right. Mostly because they can't get any. Oh! <laughs> All right, go check and out your album. Get some. That's done with the show. I want to thank Kevin again for joining us. You can find the show on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, YouTube Music, Amazon Music, PlayRefeminist.com. You can find all the bands. Uh, on Instagram at Funeral Chic, at Bishop's Green Punk, at Banda Sandanistas, at Dysic ATX, and that was for Undermine, at Strife underscore LA. Kevin is also on Instagram at Kevin Salt Punk Rock Photography, as we stated during the interview. Bloodstained Brindle is at Blood underscore Stained underscore Brindle. The show's at SLC Punkcast. Eric, where can we find you? On my personal Instagram at scaryuncle underscore Eric underscore SLC. Ah, damn hiccups. <laughs> my band Anonymous is on the socials as Anonymous Band Official. Well, I'm sorry, at Anonymous underscore Band Official on Instagram and on Facebook at Anonymous SLC. And you can find our music and other merch on our Bandcamp at anonymousslc.bandcamp.com. My other band, The Apathetics, is on Instagram at theapathetics.slc. And on Facebook, we have... Uh, <laughs> yeah, we have a Facebook. And we can be found at The Apathetics. Just, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> and we have a new single coming out. We have the Masters. We do not have a release date or an album cover or a fucking band logo, for that matter. <laughs> We're a little slow here, but we got the important thing done. Anyway, my other podcast, you can find that on Instagram. That is Lead Melodies. And like I said, the Instagram at leadmelodies underscore podcast. And on Facebook at lead.melodies.podcast.slc. And also follow the SLC Hardcore page on Facebook where I am continuously updating flyers. If you saw the one today, I apologize. I posted two flyers for two shows that I thought were happening tonight. But one is happening next month. Okay. <laughs> Again, June, July, fucking weird. Anyway, follow it on uh, follow it on Facebook at SLC Hardcore. Awesome. The bands can be found on Facebook at Funeral Chic NC, at Bishop's Green, at the Sandinistas Official, La Milagrosa, at Undermine ATX, at Strife Los Angeles, at Bloodstained Brindle, the show's at SLC Punkcast again. Thank you, Kevin, for joining us and talking to us about your book, which, again, punk photos from a fan's perspective. Go check that book out. Go check out the Punk Museum when it comes out. Eric, yep. any final thoughts before we wrap up the show? Well, my final thought is the uh, story I wanted to tell as sort of the part two of, my, of the show. Okay. The thing was, I had a lot of friends coming down there, one of which I, was, I had to drive back. Why? Because she was too drunk. 
And she drove to the, she drove there, she drove herself, and I was like, okay, there's no way you're driving. So we uh, drove back to her house. But actually before that, what should have happened to be going on this weekend but Pride Festival. Okay. Oh, yeah. The streets are coated in rainbow. And (laughs) a lot of people are just uh, walking around with the pride flags, the trans flags, and uh, any, 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 God, what was it? Ally for the LGBTQ and non-binary community. So it was pretty crazy down there. And after the show, a lot of my friends, we partook in uh, some of the festivities going down there. Just drinking beer, just uh, dancing with randos, and and then we decided to go hit up another bar. And it was the bar called The Pine, right next to Downtown Music. And we went into Downtown Music. The door was open. So we're like, hey, let's go in and uh, sleuth around, see if we can find a way to get up on the roof. (laughs) <laughs> Why? Because they wanted to see if we could jump from the roof to the bar and just kind of drop in. Because they weren't accepting us anymore. Oh, they were wow. like, we're closing down. No, you're not. <laughs> so, uh, we didn't do any trespassing. But two of my friends did get up on the roof. And when they saw that there was a way that they could get in there, they're like, we're not going to risk it. Why? Because the roof looks like it's going to cave in. <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm talking to them on the roof while my buddy is uh, behind me puking up a storm. (laughs) And my two other friends are just uh, smoking cigarettes elsewhere. And then we just kind of kept dropping off like flies. Went to Wild Pepper Pizza to see if we could get some food in us. Only to realize, uh, we don't have any more materials. Sorry, we're closed. Ah, fuck. And so it's like, all right. Now back to the thing where uh, I had to drive my friend back to her house. Yeah, we get to her house. Only to realize, she left her house keys in her car. She lives out in Taylorsville, which is far away from downtown. Had to drive back to downtown, find her car, get get the keys from the glove box, and then drive back. Then, by that time, it's about 4 a.m., we crash out on the couch. uh, (laughs) On the couch. Her bed. Whatever. It doesn't matter. Then, I'm like, okay, let's drive you back to your car. Find your car, and then I'll go to band practice. But, the Pride Parade was taking place where she left her car. (laughs) And all the streets were closed off. So, okay, you're coming to band practice with me. We go, do the band practice, and then we go find where her car ought to be, but it ain't fucking there. So, she files a missing uh, vehicle report. And a few hours later, we get a... She gets a call saying, your car was not towed or impounded, and it was not stolen. It was just relocated for the parade. Oh, <laughs> so, nice. Thanks for the heads up, you <laughs> dickheads. And all the while, I was just trying to get my couch moved into my new place. Because <laughs> I had someone, and uh, I'm going to say his name. It's Spencer from NARC. He has a truck. And he was. I made the deal with, I made the plans with him while he was drunk. And then I hit him up the day of. He's like, oh, I forgot about that. I've also been drinking. Well, fuck, I guess that... Can I borrow your truck? Can you drive a stick shift? I cannot drive a stick shift! <laughs> so, thank you, Sydney, for uh, being my saving grace. She's my drummer. She has a pickup truck. And after band practice, we got the car. We got her truck. Picked up my couch. Moved it into the new place. And then I had to go to my parents to celebrate my uncle's birthday. So right. there, that's there my, that's my weekend, folks. It's just a funny. It was just a funny story. It was whack, but at least I had fun. Isn't that right? And my friend got her car back. Good. So that's it all worked out. Yep, it all worked out. So really, no moral. Just uh, have have fun. 
make some, make some memories and tell some stories, folks. Play the fucking outro.